Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey everyone, Daniel here. Um, for this first episode of the Sixers Draft podcast, uh, I had Mark, my good friend Mark Schindler on to talk about Trey Mann and Terrence Shannon Jr. And if you're following the draft, you now know that Terrence Shannon Jr. pulled his name out of the draft and is returning to Texas Tech. At the time of recording, we did not know that it was still up in the air. I think Mark references it during the pod to uh, he, he wanted him to stay in the draft instead of go back, but alas, he announced he's going back. Uh, so that's second half of the pod. It's a guy who Unfortunately, the Sixers cannot draft now, uh, so listen to that if you want, but I would I would still recommend listening if you want to hear about, like, I think we talked a lot of good things about why a player like him with his versatile nature would fit so well with the Sixers, how he could help them, and if you want to know about, like, a prospect probably for next year's draft class who's going to be really good and could be on the Sixers radar as well, like, that's a good thing here, but yeah, I just wanted to let everyone know about that, and yeah, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Not the Talking About podcast. But the brand new Sixers Draft podcast that I will be hosting for you, I am, of course, Daniel Olinger. And today, I am joined by a good friend of mine, Mark Schindler. He of all the bad food takes on Twitter and also of Indie Cornrows and Premium Hoops. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Dan. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, the, the Sixers losing in the second round is set in enough, you know, and now that we're at the finals and... Because the Hawks got eliminated, like, you can cope with it at this point. Like, I'm fine if either the Bucks or Suns winning it, which, I mean, we could touch on that for, like, a second. Like, what did you think of game one of the finals last night as we recorded this on Wednesday morning? Um, yeah, I had, a, I had a lot of thoughts, honestly. It was a great game from the Suns. Their offense was insanely good. Um, I've been really confused with the discourse around the Bucks defense. Uh, like, you know, a lot of Brooke Lopez sucks and this and that, and that's just not really true. Like I thought um, he played fine. The issue was a lot of the Bucks offense last night is just really clunky. Giannis wasn't himself. Drew Holiday is playing like Eric Bledsoe. And it's just, yeah, a lot of that. And um, so I, I put out a video this morning because I've been very concerned with people's uh, <laughs> uh, way of looking at things. And I'm sure you see the same thing too. Uh, I was talking, I think it was Will Rucker yesterday. I, I was talking to you about how, um, you know, this is the same stuff that happens with Joel. Anytime anybody hits a shot from, from, from 18 feet, oh, well, Joel sucks, this and that. But um, yeah, that's, that, that's my immediate takeaway from the game. No, yeah, like... <sighs> I think my big takeaway, too, is that the Bucks are running on fumes where Giannis is clearly not, like, even though Giannis could still make incredible plays because he's Giannis and, like, had that awesome chase down block, he clearly, like, he was getting tired quickly or they had to sub him out at times because they didn't want to rush him back from this injury too much, and they really missed mm-hmm. Dante DiVincenzo, and it's like, yeah, the Bucks don't really have a lot after that. Like, they, if you kept thinking, like, they were looking for a fifth guy they could play, it wouldn't be a defensive or offensive liability, and they really couldn't find it. It's like, yeah, that guy is Dante, and he's not out there. Um, You saw, I mean, I like Bobby Portis, but um, Chris Paul was very mean to Bobby Portis in the third quarter, just getting him on that switch every time. And, yeah, people were complaining about Brooke. 
should have been complaining about Bobby. Bobby was struggling in what they were asking to do. I, like, I know it's going to be a struggle for him regardless, but when he reached on Chris on the perimeter, I'm like, that dude, was like, ugly what, as hell, man. I was what, like, oh, no. As soon as he stuck his hand, I was like, oh, that's a bad idea. And it was. It's just like, I, I tweet out the gif, like, uh, what is it? Um, I don't think you have the facilities for that big man. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. like he, it's just, yeah. I don't know. There's like, there are maybe two centers in NBA history who, if you reach on Chris Paul, you're not just going to get immediately crossed. Like, it's just, you can't do that. Like, oh, there's hardly anyone on earth who can reach near Chris Paul without of getting the ball, especially not you, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a tough scene for Bobby Porras last night. He had a rough game, but um, I don't know, man. I, I, I think I was going to go Suns and six uh, before the series started. Um, did not officially put my take out, so that you know you're just gonna have to believe me on that. Uh, but I mean, if you can, if you can apparently trust Portland's front office, I guess you can trust me. So it's uh, you know just trust me, take take my word for it. Um, but yeah, I I still feel the same after this. I just don't know if the Bucks are gonna have enough um, firepower offensively, and that was like what I thought a lot of their problems were. Like even they didn't get killed in transition, but they had a lot of oper- a lot of moments where they were giving up really easy looks um, because of transition. I think they only gave up 15 transition points last night, but still like with how the game was going, they have to be lights out on defense if they're going to, uh, if they're going to have anything going. And it's just more about like, if their offense can be that bad, I think of it a lot like a spread offense in football. Like we've seen so many teams in the big 12 where their offense is only on the field for like a third of the game because they're, they're going through sets so fast and then if the other team just grinding it out, their defense can't hang because they're playing two-thirds of the yeah. game and it's just asking way too much. As someone who covers college football too, I mean, my main takeaway usually when it rolls around playoff time is not even like about just the difference in offenses. It's just like the recruits at Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama are different from the recruits everywhere else in the country. Like you just yeah. like watch a lot of Big Ten teams in person then watch Ohio State in person. The players just move faster and they hit harder it's like there's no other way to describe it besides like oh they're just another step up in terms of like where they're at physically but that's probably enough talk on what's going on in the finals and in college football with every change although i like that it was a nice little reference there um appreciate it's time we were talking about chris paul's handles we're going to start with a guy with some pretty good handles himself in this nba draft trey mann out of florida he is a i want to pull up the measurements here so i make sure i got all right he is a 6'4 point guard. He's a sophomore this year down in Gainesville. He's actually from Gainesville. That's his hometown. About 20 years old. And, yeah, like, he he is a guy who the main selling point I would say for him is that, he, like like we said, with the handles. And then he can usually really, like, weaponize that handle by using it to leverage and pull up threes. Like, in terms of, like, I call it the snatchback cross because of the way he does it, which is he'll be leaning forward with his right, and then he puts it between his legs and, like, he gets so much space on those because he's really just really flexible in his lower body and can really make defenders bite on that initial movement and then get the space he needs for threes. So, yeah, what are your initial thoughts just on Trey Mann overall as a prospect, Mark? So he's really interesting. Uh, Our friend Jake Rosen wrote a really good piece over at the Stepien like a month or two ago on, um, you know, trying to talk about different times different types of athleticism and to me he's uh he's a really good athlete but specifically into like we've both posted pictures on it like his flexibility is ridiculous um and that's what helps him create some of the space that he does on uh on step backs and side steps and whatnot um 
but he does kind of lack in other areas as an athlete and that's where there are why i'm probably not as high on him as other people are um his first step really isn't that awesome and i think one of the things that i struggle with with him is as good as his handle is everything still comes extremely difficult for him like his best shots are fadeaways and you know taking those step back threes that i'm credit to him he's awesome at but um the fact that he's needing that to get by you know, NCAA level defenders who aren't going to be playing in the NBA. It uh, just doesn't bode super well for translation, in my opinion. Um, like he can do some really good stuff when he gets to the paint, but it's just getting there consistently. And I think that could come. I mean, he's like, like he's six foot four, but he's 177 pounds. So like I outweigh Trey Mann currently. <laughs> um, and I'm not like a fat person. Like it's just, <laughs> he, he has a lot of functional mass to put on, but um yeah, I mean, I think that's my initial takeaway for him. The space creation is awesome, but it's just more like, okay, well, what is happening to, to you know, like, why is that, why is he needing to go to that so often is kind of what I get drawn back to a lot. Yeah, no, I definitely, I track what you're saying there. I mean, the draft legend himself, PD Webb, like, he when he put out the hero stick on guards, like, last year, like, say, it really just made change how I thought, like, saying that, guards at these levels there should be a lot of open layups because it feels like oh no one can stay in front of them and that doesn't it's not what it feels like with Trey Mann let me see I can pull up his yeah this past year as a sophomore he was 46 for 77 at the rim about 25 I think 25 games which is like you know not getting to the rim a ton his free throw rate was like middling he was fine but doesn't have great at rim numbers and if you watch the film didn't get to the rim super easily just he doesn't really dunk a lot either yeah and like as great as actually, wait, no, that's he did not have a single dunk this past season, just not a single dunk. But um, yeah, like he, he for a guy with such great handles and who can really explode backward to get to those threes, he can't really like when he's attacking someone downhill, like you leverage that cross to get and then get them off like their spot and get the space he wants. If that makes sense, like mm. it's almost like so much of him is dependent on the fact that just he does have that like ability to like dead leg threes like if a guy goes that's something great like if say so say the sixers like were to take him at 28 which ultimately i think i'd be okay with if he was at 28 for the sixers um we can talk more about that fit there in a sec but like if guys go under a ball screen up top he's really good at like just like something that not all guards at this stage have dealt which is just that like left foot say he's dribbling right he'll just like plant it he's not moving forward and then he's got the space because he knows like oh i can stop my momentum right here and i'm gonna hit it um what do you think of the shot, like, function? Like, so just, like, not how he creates space for it, but just the shot itself. Because, so he shot 39.8% on threes this past season. In his two years at Florida, it was only 34% over, 34.5% overall. But that was, like, he was, like, just clearly not physically ready as a freshman. And he had mm-hmm. really bad numbers that kind of weighed him down. And improved a lot as a sophomore, which is a good sign to see, like, oh, he just, once he developed, he kind of got more on track. And he was Florida's best player this past year so that was all good to see but um yeah like because I think it's fine there's a little bit of like I don't know sometimes it looks a little bit weird to me he puts his feet pretty close together on the shot and I think he like sometimes there's like a tiny bit of a hitch I think but I don't think it's that bad his free throw numbers are fine and it does the three-point numbers are obviously fine so I think it's all, all good but like just any comments on the shot mechanics themselves yeah um I mean he doesn't really get a ton of uh oomph off the ground like it's not a set shot obviously but like his release points just not super high which i don't think it's like a shot that's gonna get blocked routinely or anything but um and if i remember correctly i'm trying to think right now i think he has like a little bit of a valgus collapse sometimes he, do- he does like shoots. which i'll, I'll just like, like 
for the listeners. It's not like, the death yeah. of it, but like a valgus collapse. Like what we say in that is like when you're bending down to shoot, it's like your knees are kind of pointing inward at each other. Like not, it can be worse for some guys than others, but it's just like clear, like they're collapsing. And sometimes I actually would do that sometimes myself when I was playing high school basketball, cause I am slightly knock kneed. So my knees kind of bend in mm-hmm. a little bit. It's not like, I mean, the most famous one is Kevin Durant kind of has a little bit of a valgus collapse. It's not like a death knell by any, any, it like, just makes it harder to yeah. translate your shot into non catch and shoot stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which, but then again, like point being like, that's another thing, like he's 177 pounds. That's something that as he gets stronger and he fills out his frame, cause like he definitely needs to, to get stronger. And like, actually I'd say his core strength is probably pretty good, but like he has to fill out the rest of his body. Um, and that's something that'll probably improve, but like, my thing with him is like as good of a shooter as he is it's not coming from assisted shots and like that's not a bad thing like we we love seeing self-created stuff that's Mm -hmm. what we love looking for in the draft but the problem is like i just don't think he's a good enough playmaker that he's going to be able to warrant yeah as many uh self-created looks as he's going to get unless they're like at an absurdly ridiculous level so like he's not a great off-ball mover um he, I, I mean, he, he, he can take stuff coming off movement, but it's with the ball in his hands already. So it's like, I don't know. We just haven't seen a ton of him running off screens and taking shots and um, doing more stuff that that is probably what he would be doing at the NBA level or what we're hoping to see him do at the NBA level. And maybe if people are higher on him than I am, they, they, you might see him as somebody who's able to run an offense. I think he's probably going to be more of a bench guard um, unless there's like a really big boost in his playmaking. And I think that there's potential for that for sure. Like we can talk about his playmaking in a minute, but like I, I just think right now it's hard to see uh, like how he translates super well like immediately into the NBA. But I, I mean, I, I don't know how do you view that? Yeah. So what you're saying about self creation there, like it makes sense. Just self creation is like the name of the game in the NBA. It's so important. We can see like watch Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like I mean, not they used to get a lot of screens set for them too, but also like. They can ISO on guys and get those buckets. And when the Bucks play great defense, sometimes it doesn't matter because those guys hit shots anyways. And that's great. You have to be really good to justify those looks at the NBA. Like, yeah. you Or, like, watch Chris Middleton, who famously does not bend a defense, does not even get open, really, but just he's 6'8", and he's got a really great shot. So you have to be, like, outlier special among guys who are already outlier special to make the NBA to be able to have that role at the next level and if you're so that like dependent on self-creation you're a little less scalable whereas and you think about a team like the Sixers who I mean most of the threes are usually going to be hey we threw it into Joel Embiid in the post the other team sent a double at him he kicked it out swing 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 now you're open like that's going to be a lot of it because that's kind of what the Sixers base themselves off of everything like Joel Embiid is the best player on the team so most of the offense is like then derived out of what he does if that mm-hmm. yeah like so and then when we talk about him as a playmaker like i don't know his passing left me a little uh eh. like yeah. he just it's not like inept but he i don't i think he really struggled making passes in the interior through traffic like he had some lobs he tried to throw that were just off base like he was just missing it sometimes not a ton of like cross-court reads um sometimes holding on to the ball a little too long just like there's st- there were occasional like good slips to rollers like he can throw a pocket pass occasionally um one thing i noticed is like in transition when he's throwing it ahead like he always throws it one-handed he really likes throwing one-handed passes like which isn't a bad thing necessarily it's just kind of weird like like no matter what it was even if it didn't always make sense he's just going to try and push it out with one hand 
And, like, it's definitely not something that's bereft of him, but for a team like the Sixers, who I've said for years now, like, it was true again this last year, just a below-average passing team. If you go through all their players, they do not have a ton of great passers. That's something that can be a problem where it's just, like, you really need guys who can spray the ball out through tight reads and, like, make a defense pay when they do have to bend themselves like against the gravity of players like Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Yeah, so my thing with him, too, like, I actually, I kind of like him as an interior passer. Like, I think mm. he's good at finding a guy in the dunker spot. Um, like, I, I feel like his his best reads sometimes come from from getting downhill and getting to uh, towards the rim. Um, but the problem is just, like, his accuracy on passes just is not that good. Like, routinely misses a guy's shooting pocket or it's, you know, up above somebody's head or, like, you know, it's not going out of bounds, but it's stuff like, okay, you lose a half second or you lose just a little bit of that advantage that you maybe would get from the past because it's not in the right spot. And that's stuff that can improve. But, like, again, like, if he were somebody you view more as a real, like, lead guard prospect, he wouldn't be making some of those, uh, some of the passing errors that he is right now. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I it, it, like you mentioned with, like, he, he's not really routinely making a lot of stuff. Like, I wouldn't consider him an awesome pick-and-roll prospect right now. Like, he's really good at on his getting his own like he's awesome using screens like he's figured out how to use screens really well which is good and i think he can improve on that still but like just not finding a lot of the reads out of that is like i mean that's stuff that can come for sure but um yeah i agree like he's not the kind of guy who like i I actually i mean i like the idea of him in philadelphia because they just need people who can score from the perimeter um but i also think they need guys who are going to get downhill more and uh you know kind of like how tyrese maxi was finding his way this year it's not even about like you don't have to be awesome at the rim but like just getting there is uh that would be a great start for the 76ers yeah like like we were saying there trey man he has those awesome snatch back dribbles for pull up threes but he doesn't really explode downhill because he's not like that kind of athlete tyrese maxi is like an absurd athlete when he's going downhill mm-hmm. just very explosive gets off the ground super fast very light on his feet just and can like accelerate zero to 100 super quick and that that's not even Trey Mann is and it's good to have a guy who's like a little more perimeter oriented sometimes but yeah I think one thing the big question if if the Sixers were to take him at 28 which uh for our listeners out there I just from what I've read I doubt he gets to 28 me too I think it's like I think a team in the 20s will bet on him just to think like it's like Mark said, like you're probably you, there's a chance you get this like really special off the dribble shooter who can really help your team to starting lineup, or more likely you at least get a guy off your bench you can trust to come in and get some buckets for you. So that's like kind of an appealing archetype for one of those teams to draft. But say he is taken by the Sixers at 28, one of my big questions would be how he fits in defensively. Like just and it's hard. You always feel like the Sixers like. The cop-out answer that some people go to is, oh, they have Joel Embiid, they can put anyone out there and their defense will be fine, which isn't true in a way, but, like, we saw with the Jazz this year, you don't want to just put four bad defenders around one great defender and, like, bank on it in the playoffs. It's not exactly a great strategy. So, if you were to, like, if you were able to put Trey Mann out there, if guys, like, say he's playing with one of Tyrese Maxey and or Seth Curry out there at a time, I just worry, like, you're giving up so much size Seth is okay positionally, but can be picked on by, like, bigger shooters like Kevin Herter. Tyrese Maxey, like, really good, like, at the point of attack sometimes, but he still learning his way in the NBA. Had some trouble navigating ball screens, but uh, we're, like, the hopeful that he'll get better as he cont- as he like, just gets older. <sighs> Trey Mann defensively, when he's engaged, I think he's okay. Like, he mm. understands positioning off ball. 
he it's like the thing with his like frame he runs into a lot of screens and when he runs into a screen he's pretty much done because like he's gonna try and fight back in the play but it's just if you're that skinny and a big dude hits you with the screen there's like it's a it's a power play for the other team and yeah. you're trying to work around that and it's just you don't want to give those up and I also, like, there were a bunch of possessions where he wasn't engaged defensively, and when he wasn't engaged, like, it gets really bad, because then he does not have the tools to recover. So, yeah. like, you just... No, that's a great you way can't, He it. can't give up those possessions, which I'm trusting at the NBA level he won't... That won't happen as much, but it's still a problem. I, I For the moment, I think he's a below-average defender. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Like, I think uh, it's... I, I've been trying to, like, look at defense a little bit differently. Like, I think I am really positive on guys who are good defenders in college um and try and be more neutral on guys who are not great defenders like part of it is like he does a ton i mean he was their offense pretty much um so i guess i, I would take that into account but also like you're saying like noting the stuff like okay well he doesn't really have the the tools to be an awesome guy or to recover on closeouts he has if i remember correctly he tested with like just about a neutral wingspan which is not I, awesome i think i have his um, wingspan right here if you just give me a sec um yeah, yeah sit, like so he's like in shoes six four and a quarter and his wingspan is six four yeah so like not not great it's not ideal mm -hmm. um it makes him pretty much a two-position defender and at the even then like it's still not great if he's guarding two guards uh like if he's trying to guard kevin herter that's probably not going to go well no um but like, yeah, I think a lot of the thing for him too, it's not even like you mentioned, it's not even that he doesn't try. It's just like his frame makes it so hard for him to be a good defender right now because like even if he gets like he's pretty solid at positioning at the point of attack when he's uh, engaged, but like he just gets backed. Like, I mean, even guys who are like 200 pounds are, are backing him into the rim because they're able to drive on him and he's not able to put up much resistance because even if he sets his feet and tries to stay in their way, he's just, I mean, he's too small. Um, so that's something that hopefully will change with time. But I agree. Like he's, um, I, I, he's probably going to be a below average defender for most of his rookie contract, I would imagine. Um, and I mean, I think he can get to a point where he's like a neutral defender, but even then, like without having elite closeout skills or the ability to be like a, a good closeout defender, um, or play like awesome point of attack defense like it's going to be hard for him to be a defender in the nba mm -hmm. one thing i do like I, I don't know if i like it i just noticed it um he has this thing like he really likes to try and draw charges if he's the low man he'll mm -hmm. try and step above the circle and one thing i actually thought is that um he doesn't flop hard enough on them to get the call like he just kind of like as like a man with honor when he gets run into he falls like a, he normally would instead of doing mm -hmm. like the typical NBA player, like, you, you try and draw the charge and you just go flying into the stanchion. Like, he doesn't do that. But I, I kind of just like seeing that, like, some trying to offer some form of rim protection the only way he can because, like, he's not getting any kind of blocks. Um, and not a huge steal guy. Although, so he averaged around uh, 1.4 steals per game, but he had five in their season opener against Army, which kind of skewed all of his numbers up in, a, like, a shorter season. So I would say it's just, like, He's not going to be any kind of stock guy by any stretch, like. But yeah, actually, another random thing that I've liked from him too that he does a lot is uh, if he has somebody on the post, like if he ends up in a post mismatch, he's really good at kind of pulling the chair and trying to just bat the ball out from behind. Oh, that's great! Um, and he did well on it, but like it's the kind of thing. It's like okay, well, I really don't want him to have to do that very often. Like if you get Trey Mann back down in the basket, that's not great for your defense. But like I do appreciate, like he does really fight hard on it. Um, when he's engaged so yeah i agree with that 
I, I put it in our group chat that one time. I still am not over in the Clippers Suns conference finals when Chris Paul tried to snake a pick and roll, and I'm pretty sure Terrence Mann, while he was snaking, pulled the chair that way. Like, so Chris Paul kind of like stumbled backward because like he couldn't feel Terrence Mann's body. It was like one of the most bizarre things I'd ever seen. I couldn't find the clip when I was rewatching it, but I swear this happened. Um, so that's just that just made me think of that. Um, uh, what would you think about a Sixers lineup? Say they trade Ben Simmons for something. I don't even know what yet, but like, what would a Sixers lineup they just threw out there like Trey Mann, Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid? What do you, off the top of your head, like what does that look like to you? Does do you think it's a good lineup? Uh, which obviously it's probably okay because they have Joel Embiid on the court, but like just generally, what do you think of it? Um, so you said Tyrese, Trey, Danny Green, Tobias, and, and Joel. Yeah. Um, I don't love it. <laughs> like, it's not terrible, but like, like you said, I mean, Ty- Tyrese did some good stuff as a point of attack defender, but again, he's still like, he's pretty small. Like, uh, him and Trey is, a, that's going to be a tough backcourt to, to try and envision. Um, I just think like, I mean, that's one of the things that I've wondered about a lot with, with Philly, like um, as they try and improve their offense, moving from Ben, like um, as much as like you, like we mentioned, like, I think uh, it's better. Like we just know now you have to have an elite offense to win an NBA championship, but also like the defense cannot be so one dimensional and built strictly on one guy. And I worry about that if, if that's what your your main lineup is trying. And I think a lot of it too will change it. Like it's less about having like one lineup that's capable of doing everything. Like I think we saw, we would have, I was writing something. I ended up following through because Brooklyn, you know, they got injured to all hell, but like their ability to just, when they have all three guys to really rotate in whatever, um, whatever role players fits their lineup best and adapt how they play and change things up. Like, I think that's what, Philly has just really lacked the last couple of years. There really isn't like even this year, like they had a lot of guys, but not a lot of guys you could trust in a playoff series. Um, like, unfortunately, shake just really struggled as sad as it made me because he hit, was having such a good start to the year. Um, I mean, Furkan had moments, uh, but like the point it, is, like, it wasn't there's just, great. <laughs> yeah, there's just not a lot of versatility that, that the Sixers can throw out. So like, I think if you had like, Trey Mann and, and Tyrese and that's your like starting backward or something or just like a lineup that you have you need a lot of um other optionality off the bench that isn't Mike Scott yeah um I, I already wrote a piece on Trey Murphy a guy who like could theoretically you know take that Mike Scott role as a like a solid defender and really good just he's like very stationary but a really good stationary spot-up shooter just to offer some like because the Sixers that was one of the big problems with them is I mean, first of all, was playing the all-bench lineups, but then with the all-bench lineups, you know, it was Dwight Howard and four guys 6-5 and under, which is just, it's hard to get away with that lack of size. Like, you have to be really special players to try and get away with that, and the Sixers really didn't have that. They didn't have enough shooting or kind of, like, on-ball creation skills to just didn't have that. enough. I think it's yeah. a great way, to, great way yeah. to put it. Yeah, so um, I know you put out a board, like, the other day on Twitter. Uh, where do you have Trey Mann overall on your board right now? Uh, I actually am updating it right now. Uh, I think I have Trey. Yeah, I have Trey Man twenty right now. Yeah. So if 
If you slipped to 28 of the Sixers, you would probably be very much in favor. I would of be very to. on board with that. And, like, again, I still think I'm there with it. And I, I don't, like, I never want to put, like, a cap on a guy. I, I think, like, there's a way for him to be a starter in the NBA, but a lot of it's just, like, we're mentioning, like, his pull-up shooting has to be, like, outlier good for him to uh, to reach a level where maybe it expands his playmaking enough where he can command that much usage from the offense. But, um, yeah, if he were to fall to 28, like, I think you would be remiss to not take him. Mm-hmm. And if you're, like, just listening to this, just try and look up some Trey Man highlights afterwards if you want to see a dude, like, cross someone and get five feet of space on a three. It happens, like, a few times every game. And he does it to the best defenders. He did it to, like, Scotty Barnes once where he got him sliding like yeah he's pretty pretty darn good that is it's a it it is really cool that his best skill is one of the hardest things to do in basketball and he's fantastic at it so that is trey Mann, point guard out of florida we're going to transition to our second prospect of the podcast terrence shannon jr out of texas tech also a sophomore he's about 21 years old now i think he's turning 21 soon Mm -hmm. uh if i have his measurements here with shoes about six six and a half six eight wingspan and very much a guy like you would think some comes out of Texas Tech like the shot is like a big question but it's like there's a lot of good signs for it very athletic very explosive and I think well liked by most people in draft Twitter I would say like because I mean most people want to bet on athletic wings with some skills like he does but I kind of like him too but I know you've said a lot of good things about him too Mark so how about you start on Terrence Shannon Jr.? Yeah, so I actually am writing something on him right now that I hope to have up by the end of the week. Um, he is, like, I, I, I've i been really confused. Well, I mean, not, less confused, more like I just disagree with. A lot of people are putting him second round um, because of the questions about his shot. And I think I, this, this may be just more like my own way of looking at things, but I would rather bet on Terrence Shannon Jr. than Trey Murphy. Just because, yeah, I, I um, think I, I Trey Murphy that. has shown flashes of putting the ball on, on the floor, but it's not consistent. Um, Terrence Shannon Jr. can attack closeouts like now. Uh, he does not have a right hand, unfortunately. Like <laughs> he has to crab dribble with his right hand, pretty much. Um, but like attacking closeouts with his left, he's fantastic. He's pretty good at the rim. He has to work on. Um, he has like talking about our, this with our guy Fuller, like he has some like balance and coordination stuff that's a little wonky like he'll jump with the wrong foot uh for for like right-handed layups and it just looks a little weird because he has to bobble the ball but point being like he's already a good rim finisher he's uh he's got the capability to put the ball on the floor he's he's, like i I like him better as a, a connective passer than somebody making passes out of like attacking downhill but that's something that you know you you'll see more of as he gets reps um and I think with the shot too, like he has really good shooting indicators. Like he's a good free throw shooter and he gets to the free throw line quite a bit. Like he's not like an elite free throw drawer, but like he's pretty good at getting there. Um, and like the shot, he has like an immense Valgus collapse. Like, so his, uh, his ability to actually like PD wrote a really great piece on this on NDSP a couple months ago, but like um, he's somebody who's probably going to need a lot of, work on his shot but like point being i think it's closer to being there than not and he just has everything else and the biggest thing is his defense like his defense he would be an above average defender in the nba right now in my opinion like he is insanely good at the point of attack he doesn't have elite wingspan but like i also think that's overrated sometimes like he's so good at moving laterally that it just doesn't matter as much that he's not a massive plus wingspan guy um 
like he's somebody who's very good at using both his hands and his feet to defend, which like a lot of times guys will come in and it's kind of one or the other. Um, like guys will be like just more laterally quick than their uh, opponents can handle. So they're used to just moving with their feet or they have like looking at not to rate Scotty Barnes, like Scotty Barnes is awesome, but I think some people overrate his lateral quickness because he's just so long that he can keep people in front of him. Uh, so like I look at Terrence and he's somebody who's already figured out how to keep guys in front of him without having a, a crazy wingspan. Um, and the biggest thing too for him is just ground coverage to me. Like um, in terms of guys who are going to make cross court closeouts with ease, which is not something you want to have happen, but like he's capable of doing it because Texas Tech asked him to do it routinely. He's he, I mean, he just covers ground so fast. He's pretty good on closeouts. Like his angling could improve a little bit, but um I mean, he's just somebody who, like, is pretty much scheme-proof. Like, you can ask him to do almost anything on court. Like, he's not going to block shots or anything, but he's capable of rotating back line and getting in the way and contesting vertically. Like, um, he's just a pretty pretty close to, like, a flawless defensive prospect, in my opinion. And he gets steals, too, steals and blocks. Like, he's good at creating events and just being in the right place. So I, I like Terrence a ton for what he has – Defend. Okay, actually, no, just JK. The steals and blocks are not amazing. But yeah, I was saying, like, he only had four blocks all season. He Because he much prefers, actually, similar to Trey Mann, he is much more of a um, draw-charge guy yes. down low. Like, he loves to rotate over. And he, he does it better than Trey Mann because he has really good instincts with that. And I think this is one thing is that his physical strength, like, he's around 207 pounds. Like, it's what I liked best about him is that when he kept contact, when he did have a guy in front of his hands up, he could keep his chest on them pretty well because he's just, like... Yeah. He's really strong. He's not getting moved back. And if he's just keeping his chest on, he's going to really, really bother them, which is a big help for him. Um, I The only defensive like problems I had with him is I noticed sometimes like he was having trouble. Like If he closed out on a guy and they attacked him like they were driving right, he had trouble then dropping his top foot in time like he was giving up the lane, like which is a really hard skill to have. Like Only the best defenders in the world against really good athletes can kind of do that. But it was something, like, he was struggling with a little bit. He got caught a few times, like, because he was so focused on, like, being in the paint and off-ball positioning to give help for his teammates because, you know, they're usually not as good as keeping the ball in front as he is, so he's trying to be aware of stuff. Like, he'd then lose track of his manner. He could get backdoored a few times. It's, like, a few a few problems, but, like, generally still really good. Like you said, like, he causes disruption. He covers a lot of ground, all that kinds of stuff. Um, offensively, like, yeah, the shot... One thing I noticed is, like, he shot tech, the Texas Tech's technical free throws, which is pretty cool, which, for a guy who, like, some people question the shot, like, it's kind of interesting to see. Um, this year, he shot a lot better from three than he did as a freshman, about 35.7% on decent volume, and his free throw numbers went, like, percentage-wise went down a little, little bit, but he's still around 76%, like, like you said, like, pretty good from there. Um, took a lot of non-rim twos. I took 100 he's, on the season yeah. per Bartorovic. It only made 33 of them, which isn't a great mark, but still very willing to take them. And he, it's so weird because sometimes, like, he's one of the guys who, in the draft, just his shot form, like, his feet on the shot vary so much every time. Like, sometimes yeah. it's, like, actually looks pretty good. Like, just set, feet are both squared to the rim, up and down, like, looks fine. Other times he's, like, swinging around and kicking his legs out everywhere. Like, I mean, you can, you probably a little, know a little bit more about this than I do. Like, just talk about how much his feet vary on that shot. Yeah, I mean, his feet are uh, very inconsistent. Like, working on a shot preparation will be huge for him because 
Um, he's just not great at being uh, prepared when the, when the ball gets there. And that can be like part of the problem for him too, is it just, his release isn't the quickest. Like it's not even that the release isn't that fast, but it's like it, because it takes him time to get everything um, ready to get the shot off. Like he needs to, uh, he needs to, gosh, I can't speak. Like he needs to just improve, like cutting down the amount of time it takes him to get ready for a shot because that just makes it easier for him to get it off. Cause that's one of the only real things with him is like he will pass up looks like it was better this year but he'll pass up sometimes wide open looks part of it is like uh what pd would call academy brain because like like basically what tail maladon did this year if he thinks there's a better play he's gonna pass the ball which can be good but it also like there was a play that i clipped in uh the second kansas game they played this year when he has like 10 feet of space and he moves the ball without even thinking. And I'm like, no, you have to take that shot. Like, yeah, and if you, you have if, to. Like, if you don't take the shot, Mac McClung will take the shot for sure. Yeah, he will 100% exactly. take it. He will. Mac McClung will definitely take the shot. But that's like even then, like that's the thing that I, I don't mind. Like I think that it's a good thing that he's – like he's very good. At, like he reminds me a lot of kind of Royce O'Neal um, in that sense. Like some semi-similar build, like a little bit bigger, but – um, just in terms of like somebody like I think he's probably better at putting the ball in the deck than Royce O'Neal is right now, um, which is saying something. Uh, and like I, I think that's like the mold from being a guy who's a connective wing who plays fantastic defense. And I think there's room for more too because of the handle. Like, and he has really good burst too. Like he has a much better burst than Trey Mann, which is kind of uh, interesting. Like it's just kind of funny to think about if, for for me. But like uh, I, I just think that there's enough there where it's like okay, you can see him a um uh, contributing immediately is a really arbitrary thing like he's probably not going to have a, a great impact because you wonder what the offense is going to look like but also like he's going to be able to hang in lineups because he can play so well defensively and fit in with an nba defense um and there's just room to grow as an offensive player where you could say okay i think this guy could be a starting level player in the nba um at least that's how i view him like i'm almost willing to 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 bet on him with a lottery pick I, i'm that confident that he's going to be a lottery not a lottery uh a, 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 a starting level player what would you think of if the pacers took him at 13 i well it depends who else is on the board um <laughs> i for people because you can't this is a I podcast i literally bought a uh, i bought a four by four board uh just the for the draft this year um I don't, I don't know about 13 for him. Like, that's probably a little high. Um, but, like, I mean, like, in the teens, like, late teens, I'm fine with, honestly, which maybe I think some people, like, kind of, like, guffaw at that. But I don't know. Part of me is just, like, I, I might be a little bit too high on him. But in terms of, like, just seeing it with him, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I, I really don't want him to go back to Texas Tech because I know he's debating going back because he's been getting a lot of second round grades, but he just worked out with the Warriors yesterday, I think. So I'm hopeful that he's staying in because if I remember correctly, today is decision day on whether or not you're going back. So we'll find out. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I really like him. Yeah. So when you're talking about like him attacking with the closeout, and you are right that like he can't really dribble with his right hand yet. It's very just, I'm putting my head down with my left. Like if he's dribbling with his right hand, it's because like, someone flew by him and he's taking a dribble in for a pull-up, like, and he has, like, all the time in the world to set that up, but, and, like, I also got, thought it was kind of funny, on his shot fake, like, 
I compared it to sometimes the way it looks, it almost looks like a guy trying to impersonate an NBA player in one of those videos where like he throws his one leg back, he like snaps his head back, like it very, a very dramatic, a very oh, yeah. dramatic shot. But the thing is, even if it doesn't work all the time, like he just needs his defender to bite a tiny bit on it because when he puts his head down, like he is so good at getting low his shoulder lower than his defender. And, like, without losing his balance, like, still being able to, like, kind of gear himself toward the rim. And, like you said, he just accelerates so fast at that power. It's just, it's a lot to handle going downhill. It's why he draw, drew so many free throws, despite not having, like, a ton of, like, on-ball reps all the time. Like, mainly attacking closeouts. Like, it's just, he just needs a little bit of space, because he can really hit that turbo button so well with that balance. Um, yeah, I so, I kind of, like, think about his fit with the Sixers... I mean, most Sixers fans would probably say, oh, like, you know, doesn't have a ton to handle, not a, like, reliable shooter yet, at least at an NBA level. Like, like say you were in a playoff setting, like, he wouldn't get the strongest closeouts. Teams would try and say, like, I think it would be, like, a soft closeout, like, dare him to shoot, dare him to beat us that way. So you're thinking, oh, like, how does that help us? Like, we can't deal with any more of that, given what's happened in the past. But, like, you were saying with the Sixers needing to be more versatile, like, isn't that kind of the name of the game with Terrence Shannon Jr.? He's pretty versatile. You can play him at a lot of different spots. He's quick enough to kind of, like, guard up, like, against uh, smaller players and keep them in front. He's, But he also has, like, the physical strength. Like, if you need him to play a four spot, like, I think he can do it. I think he might have the strength to do that. Like, could have some problems with it, but, like, he's capable of that. And just, it's easy to bet on, like, the, with wings, the thing is that they're very versatile. Like, you can put them in a lot of different spots and trust them. And the Sixers don't have a ton of players like that who you can just slot in anywhere. So he might be that kind of guy for them. So, like... I'm guessing, again, like, if Terrence Shannon Jr. is still there at 28, you'd be pretty cool with the Sixers taking him. Oh, definitely. I think I have him 24 at my board right now. Um, so I would be very cool with the Sixers taking him. And also, going back, I would not – okay, I don't know if I would take Terrence Lottery. Um, but, like, once you get to 20s, like, I think – yeah. I mean, he's the kind of guy, like, I, I think he's worth betting on. Um, like, I, I said this yesterday, this is not meant as a slight, but, like, the idea that somebody might draft Chris Duarte with the first-round pick and Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to go back to Texas Tech is, like, I don't understand that. Like, I like I think Chris Duarte is worthy of a, of a draft pick, like, of course. But he's 24 years old, and I just think, like, you look at Terrence Shannon and what he's already doing. I don't know, like, part of part of why I'm writing on this because, I, I, like, I'm, I'm writing a little bit about, like, the merits of, like, all right, well, why would going back to school even make sense for him? Like, uh, but – Point being, like, I, I just think, like, like, like we're mentioning, he would make a lot of sense for the Sixers. I mean, ideally, they probably want somebody who is a wing that can already be a creator, but you're not getting that in the 20s. Yeah. So <laughs> the problem with being bad. really, like, problem with being really good during the regular season is there's not a lot of great off the off the dribble creators with size at 28. That's not exactly they're not exactly falling to that spot. Yeah, like exactly. You only get like Nikola Jokic dropping to forty one at once every blue moon. Like that's not going to very much happen for you. Um, also, I I haven't watched Chris Duarte much yet. Although I definitely should. Like, everyone's going to make the whole like age thing. The thing is, how many times do you think Cam Johnson will be referenced when talking about Chris Duarte in terms Too many of like times. shooter with some size who base? I mean, he's not as tall as Cam, but like. Yeah, the, like everyone say, oh, everyone just doesn't like him because of age. Whereas, well, it's different too because wasn't I mean, Cam Johnson was what twenty two when he got drafted. Or I 20? think he was twenty three because he's twenty five yeah. now. And like, the thing with Cam is like, I actually really wanted the Sixers to take him that year because they had the twenty fourth pick. They ended up trading up to get Matisse Thybul, but like, I think the difference with Cam was that everyone kind of like, I think people thought Cam was good. They just didn't think he was lottery good. And clearly, I think 
I mean, it was a good pick by the Suns. He's worked out very well for them, slotted in exactly what they need in terms of just, like, provide solid defense shooting and, like, a little bit of, like, off the... Like, he can attack a closeout if you come out too hard. I mean, he's not, he's not like Danny Green where if, like... If you get... If Danny Green doesn't shoot after the time you come at him, like, he's either... he Like, it was so funny. He just, like, leans over to one side because he does not want to dribble in at all. So he's yeah. not like that, but... Like, I think Cam was good coming out of college. It's just, like, people were shocked to see him go the high. But, you know, credit to James Jones because he kind of saw the player. But we're getting a little off track there. No, that's um, fine. Yeah. Um, like, I mentioned that his long two numbers weren't that good. Do you think he has, like, Terrence Shannon Jr. would have any, like, future in the NBA, like, hitting shots in the mid-range, like, off the dribble, like, creating shots for himself like that? Or do you think it's, like, just almost a pipe dream where it's probably just not happening? I mean, I think it's possible. I have to pull up his numbers right now. But, like... I uh, his shot looks more fluid, especially in his base when he's coming off. Uh, like if he's pulling up from two, like the numbers again. I'm, I'm pulling them up right now, but I like I like him pulling up from two. Like I don't I don't love it, but I like that he a he's comfortable doing it, and the shot just looks a lot more a lot less rigid and just more fluid from well, two, which is important. It, like fluid is a good word. I do my one worry of Terrence Shannon Jr. is this just just he's something kind of a stiff athlete. Well, it's actually, it's like a much dumber reason than that. It's just something I try and watch with myself sometimes is that Terrence Shannon Jr., when he does good things, he looks incredibly cool, which can kind of yeah. trick your mind yeah. into thinking, oh, this guy rocks, even though maybe, like, stuff that's a little more simple is great. Because it's not just, like, like he's a, lef- he's a lefty, and when lefties make jump shots, it always looks pretty cool because, you know, it's just different to the eye than what's seen for right hand. He explodes to the rim really well. Like, I love to hear this one put back down the thing against West Virginia where he just, like, just out of nowhere flew in and rammed it home and he's got like a really cool aesthetic with the way he wears his jersey as the undershirt plus the sleeve and like you said which is an elite combo yeah and the thing is he pulls it off he's getting tall with some strength to him like he's a muscly dude which it's just the thing is like terrence shannon jr looks cool all the time so i just have to watch myself like hey like make sure you're just not when you see him make a play that's kind of normal it's like it's just gonna look cooler like don't try and get too excited about that like if that makes sense no, that totally makes sense. And looking at yeah, his his mid range numbers are not good. No, <laughs> you're just gonna have to trust me on this one. He looks more comfortable shooting from mid range sometimes, and I, I I don't have great reasoning behind it. It just it's I, I don't I don't know, man. Like it's some of it's finicky. Like you want to say maybe it's sample size, but he did take like a decent amount of mid range shots, not like a ton. Um, that's just where I'm at on it. I do think he's like a little bit more comfortable getting into it. At least he's shown flashes of that. Um, but I mean, I do think that that's something that could be there for him eventually, but uh, again, it's just going to be more of like, okay, well, does he get to a point where his, his three pointers respectable enough for it? So we'll see on that. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to touch on, like, I think you mentioned his passing. Sometimes he could be like a connector and I think he can do some of that, but like, I mean, I did not see much when he was going downhill, him looking to pass much. Like, I think once he decides I'm going to the rim, he's going to try and like, just get there. It's partially why he drew so many foul shots is he kind of like is just a force of nature down there ramming into things but mm. it was not really like opening up a defense with certain kind of passes um if he is like i think it's just much more like in swing swing actions or like maybe a driving kick but like i i, I at the moment think he's a little bit of a below average passer like not detrimental in any sense especially because he is probably a wing who will not be a primary or secondary creator so it's not like detrimental but for a team in the Sixers that could use some better passing along the, just along the edges of their lineup, he's probably not offering that. 
Yeah, he's had like some stuff where he like gets downhill and kicks out, but you're right. It's not really super consistent. Part of it too is like Texas Tech's offense just was not good. Like I yeah. I, I have thoughts that I don't need to share. But I don't yeah, I did not they, like their they're the same much. way every time, which is like even during their national championship run, it was like Jarrett Culver create and then just destroy everyone on defense. It was like yeah. their whole philosophy, which I mean, they play some great defense sometimes. Like the especially the two years ago that team was just like you know it was very hard to get to the rim against their switchy defense but like it's just the very much of texas tech the offense isn't great the defense is pretty intense yeah exactly um i mean i think like the with a more spaced out offense like the passing could improve like you you're just gonna hope that the windows are gonna be more open for him but also too like um he has the connectedness and even like if he's a guy who okay like i look at him in terms of like a second side guy if he's on the second side of an action and he's getting the ball kicked out to him after space has already been created that's why i like him so much like even if he's not a great shooter right now if the defense is already tilted like we saw with like it's a little bit different because Najee marshall did so much on ball this past year Najee marshall's just a better passer but like we saw this year like even Najee marshall is not a great three-point shooter He's probably more willing three point shooter than, than Terrence right now, but like even like just with New Orleans, it, okay, Zion or Brandon Ingram collapse the defense and they kick it out, and Najee's coming from the corner, gets to the rim, and if he doesn't like if he if, even if he doesn't get all the way to the rim, he's finding the open man. Like I think that's what I look at with Terrence. Like he's a guy who I'm confident is going to be able to attack off the second side, and hopefully those reads will develop even more. But um, yeah, I, I just I think it's I think it's a good bet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said at the context, like this is something I pulled up just of guys who like actually shot threes on Texas Tech's roster. So, you know, like actual like volume, not just the occasional three. He was the second best three point shooter percentage wise at 35.7%. Kyler Edwards was the best on the team. He was a good shooter, but it's just showing that like Texas Tech. Their did... overall shooting is like kind of, yeah. Eh. Like, and Mike like McClung's fine. Like we said, Kevin like... McCuller feels like he should be a better shooter, but he's not. But I actually, have you watched Kevin McCuller at all? I have not. I, all right. He's somebody that you should look at for next year. He has to um, figure out, like, if if he shoots threes and just gets better from the line too, like, he's a guy. Like, he is actually a really good passer. He's, like, probably 6'6 with a plus wingspan. Um, I like it. It feels like so many dudes from Texas Tech are 6'6 with a plus wingspan. wingspan. (laughs) It's just the, like, churn out. That is the Texas Tech way. (laughs) Although maybe it'll change now because isn't Chris Beard. Chris Beard took the job at Texas. Yeah, Chris Beard's gone, but I think uh, a lot of the assistants stayed behind at um, at Tech. I know, like, the lead assistant took over, if I remember Okay, yeah, I was trying to wonder who their new head coach is. Um, I can't remember his name, but I know that the lead assistant took over. Yeah, and, like, there were, I mean – there were, he had a lot of secondary or, like, attacking closeout reps or, like, not a lot of on-ball at Texas Tech because Mac McClellan had the ball a lot. And, like, I do feel like sometimes maybe, like, as, like, a as a nerdy basketball community, we can be a little too hard on Mac. Because, like, he was, like, he's not terrible. Like They needed somebody to do it. Yeah, he, like, like... They needed somebody, like, yeah, he can... I think we just get not, more annoyed like, with, like... Watch, yeah. We get more annoyed with the Instagram highlight pages that think Mac is, like, the number one pick in the draft. Like, that's, like, yes. that's where I draw the line. Yes, I I agree with you in entirety there because it's it's a lot sometimes, but yeah. yeah, it's it's more like I think we get like just in general the community can kind of big big brain stuff and just be like oh well this and this is bad and like well no not really like I think we have to just be a little bit more careful with how we view things you know but um, no I think that's a great point to make like at the end of the day 
somebody has to take a shot when 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 the when the offense is dying down or is the, the shot clock's winding down and that was Mac McClung for Texas Tech whether people liked it or not and it, it was pretty effective this year mm-hmm. as you said on Twitter true shooting percentage is only a social construct exactly <laughs> um one last question uh Let's say both these guys somehow, Terrence Shannon Jr. and Trey Mann, are available for the Sixers at 28. And, like, there's not a – let's say that they're the probably the two best prospects left that everyone who's been taking in front. Like, there's not another great option. I don't know a better way to phrase it, but say it's down to these two and the Sixers front office and they have to pick one. Who would you take for the Sixers and why? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I think I would probably take Terrence Mann just because – Wait, wait, you said Terrence Mann? <laughs> I mean, Trey, Trey Mann. Hey, if we can draft, um, Ter- if we can draft Terrence Mann like retroactively, like dude, I, you know, actually, I love. It's embarrassing. You know, I, I love Terrence, Terrence and Trey were related for the longest time because both their last names are Mann. They're from Florida and they played at Florida school. So I was like, oh, they're brothers. They're not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just think I would probably bet on Trey because I mean, I have him on my board just because I mean, I have him higher on my board because he's got more of the ability to self create and. Like, I think ultimately, if you're drafting, the idea is to get guys who can self-create because that's really valuable. Um, I don't think you could, could, could go wrong with either guy, but I would probably be more willing. Like, I would like if, if, if Trey were to fall all the way to 28, yeah, I would definitely take him there. Yeah, I'm tempted to say Terrence Shannon Jr. just because of how, like, you really persuaded me with the versatility discussion, just in how much the Sixers need someone like that who can slot in, but... It's like you said, like, Trey Mann could offer such a high upside with the off-the-dribble shooting. I think, in a way, offers, like, a higher floor, so to speak, just because I'm pretty sure no matter which team he goes to, he'll be able to step in the NBA and be able to get to that step-back three, get to that pull-back three, and hit it at a decent clip, which is just a valuable skill to have. Whereas Terrence Shannon Jr., say, he's just not hitting threes in the NBA. Like, you could start, like, then he's now drawing closeouts, which kind of takes away some of his burst. That's such an advantage off those things. Like, I could... I can talk myself more into if I'm thinking about why they could fail. I feel like the there's a bigger chance that at least in that scenario that Terrence Shannon Jr. could fail. I, I generally think they're both going to be fine, I, but if that makes sense, like I could just see like I just think I know at least that Trey Man has that to fall back on, and that's pretty valuable. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Like I do think um, there's a little bit, well, probably a decent amount more that that Terrence is going to have to work on at the NBA level, and you can see some stuff from Trey that. Um, you can hope is going to translate right away, but um, I see. Yeah, it's 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 more like it's just kind of arbitrary. It just comes down to whatever you think you're going to be able to develop best if you're the Sixers. And um, yeah, I mean, again, I I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. But I do agree with like Terrence. Like I think the big worry is like, okay, well, what does it look like if he doesn't shoot at the NBA level? Um, it's and not that's great. not great. <laughs> but I I just I think part of the like. I'm so high on him because I think he is going to shoot. Like, I'm not really that worried about it um, because he has clearly worked on it and it's gotten better, even if it's still not perfect yet. And the indicators are just there. So I, I would, it's worth betting on. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today on the first edition of the Sixers Draft Podcast. Uh, Mark, you are a man of many podcasts and many words. Uh, tell all the good listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy getting to talk. Um, you can find me over on Twitter at mschindlernba. All my stuff goes up there. Um, I do a lot of work over Premium Hoops, which is uh, a podcast and, and website founded by me and a couple other guys who cover the league. Um, and then all my other stuff is at Indy Cornrows, where I host podcasts and write as well. So thanks for having me on, man.
Yeah, make sure you check out all of Mark's work. You'll learn a lot from him, really great stuff. And thanks, Mark, so much for coming on, and I'll talk to you guys next time.